You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead and pull up a chair. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the After Laugh. I'm here with Tommy Wakefield. Yo, we're going to do something kind of new. I guess we've done this before. We're going to um, talk about a movie we both saw and that we both liked. When did we do this, Joker? Huh? We did Joker, right? I think we did Joker, and then we did well. We did comedy specials. We did Bill Burr. Sure. We did Dave Chappelle. True. True. Um, so it's in the it's in the wheelhouse. I don't this know. This is what our first Hulu. It's our first. Yeah, it's, it's interesting reviewing a, a, a film on a network that very little people have. I think Hulu is uh, it's growing, gaining in popularity. Is they got creep- a couple. Well, they changed their, their interface because it was so dumb before, and now it's closer to Netflix. Everything's kind of modeled off Netflix now, the way that they can do it. You know how Hulu got me? How? They gave me Hulu with commercials for like six months, 99 cents a month. Whoa. I was like, okay. Sure. <laughs> Deal. And then after six months, what was it? I don't know. I'm still in the period. I think maybe they maybe they switched on me. Yeah. I think it was, it's pretty cheap though. If you keep the commercials. Yeah. So it's yeah, just yeah. like watching regular TV. But the commercials too, they used to be like one commercial and then it was two. And now they have a fuck ton of commercials. It's a so lot. It almost feels like network, which is the whole reason why you got the shit in the first place. Right. To watch commercials. I even still prefer this with commercials to network because I can pick the show and yeah. I can watch it in sequence as yes. opposed to being thrown all around the goddamn universe with show to show. So if you do not have Hulu, I will recommend you can get a free trial week, right? At least they have like crazy specials going all the time. Yeah. They're trying so to get people So you can in. do a free week and then cancel. Just remember to cancel. You Be- won't. <laughs> you no one ever does. That's the you whole, fucking that's the whole scam is no one ever remembers. Like, God damn, I haven't played with Hulu for two years. Um, so... Palm Springs, which was at Sundance of not 2020 because there was none, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess 2019. And it was the biggest sale in the history of Sundance. It was over $17 million. What? Because it was an independent film. And of course, the definition of independent film has changed over the years. It just means it's not by a studio. But that was probably, the budget of that had to be, what, $30 million probably? It's a pretty big fucking movie. Mm-hmm. 30. Well, I'm thinking about it, and there were no like giant set pieces or anything. They just had big actors. They had Sandberg. He must have cost a big chunk. Yeah. And he's kind of down to clown with some indies, though. He is. Yeah. And let me say this: I've never been a huge Andy Sandberg fan as an actor. Mm-hmm. I never really thought that he um, was a particularly great actor. Okay. Uh, but he kills it in this. He's great in this movie. Me personally, growing up in the mid 2000s and yeah. being an SNL fan, Andy Samberg is like my hero. He's your hero. I mean, obviously, I'm an adult now and all of my enthusiasm towards anything has cooled off, right? Yeah. <laughs> now I'm jaded and don't give a fuck. When you about started anyone. this podcast, you weren't jaded. It was basically, this podcast has made you jaded, I think. Yeah, yeah. I used to have light behind me. I mean, we're mid quarantine. All of comedy has been accused of sexual assault 
and Bernie uh, Sanders is no longer a thing. And Bernie Sanders was cheated out of the nomination by a corrupt government that I once thought was on my side. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, Andy Samberg on SNL was like my entire sense of humor. That and SpongeBob SquarePants growing up. <laughs> Combination? I mean, that's probably... What were your biggest influences, Tommy? Andy Samberg and SpongeBob. Andy Samberg at, on the Lonely Island with oh, like Lonely Island was this fucking shit. Justin Timberlake. He did this sketch with Bill Hader called Laser Cats where they would run around uh, SNL studios with stuffed cats that shot laser beams out and they what? would do sci-fi period, uh, parodies and they did like seven of them. And I used to live for that shit. I don't remember that at all. Oh, dude. Andy Samberg digital shorts like he was oh, the yeah. digital shorts he was. guy his first one which was chronicles of narnia that really became cr- cr- uh the chronic yeah the chronicles of narnia the, the chronic what calls of narnia. narnia yeah which was which was freaking great it was one of the first sort of like viral videos yeah, totally i think that i saw and um so i thought he was great in that hot rod one of my yeah, all-time say, favorite movies is it really dude that <laughs> the way that they like that to me was the ultimate parody movie what was it a parody of of just action it was kind of like he is such a millennial sense of humor in terms of it was a parody of action movies but it was also just kind of a parody of filmmaking in general Uh like they had certain jokes where they're walking into town and this inspirational thing starts to play and all of a sudden the entire town joins them <laughs> as they're marching to the big jump yeah, yeah. where he's gonna have the climax of the movie and the entire town joins in and are all marching triumphantly and it's like a feel-good moment yeah and then something crazy happens where someone runs and throws a tv through a shop window and it turns immediately into a riot and everyone is stealing things and people are getting fucked and it's complete chaos and they run away and they meet on a hillside and they're like what the fuck <laughs> happened back there they would start it out so positive and i don't even and then all of a sudden it was chaos and i just wanted to get out of there and be safe and like i don't know oh, wow it sounds like la this year and then and then the the movie continues and they never adjust it again That's like great. there's this one part where he's doing a footloose extreme dance and he dances for two minutes and then he trips on a log and he falls down a cliff and they make him falling down the cliff last another two minutes and it's just brutal clearly a dummy just being thrown down like thing after thing after thing after thing (laughs) and those two jokes in particular had a (laughs) big effect on me when i was young now do you think that you say it has millennial sensibility is it the idea that everything is a little absurd it's absurdist and it's also meta yeah it's meta in almost like a Mel Brooks way where they are breaking the fourth wall constantly. Yeah. And they're making fun of the fact that they're making a movie and they yes. can do whatever they want. So they're doing dumb shit and they're almost looking at the camera. Yeah. Like that seems very of its time. So when things happen, when crazy scenes happen, there's no, uh, there's no repercussions later on in the script. No. It's just this thing happened and then now they're moving on. But they, all, they, all, they almost address it within the movie of like that was completely absurd we only did that to be funny yeah and now reset now reset the movie to back before that happened because we have to continue the story now was hot rod a big hit at the time no huge a box a bomb, office right? failure huge bomb but now it's sort of a cult now it's a cult classic interesting yeah i've never seen it because i remember when it came out i heard bad things about it. but maybe it was one of those things where people had to catch up to the sensibility <laughs> of it if i'm being honest i don't even know if you would like it <laughs> it's really stupid 
I might like it now. Now that I, I'm I'm a I'm a new fan after this movie. It's got a ton of big stars, and there's this other trope where he's like trying to beat the shit out of his stepdad. Uh huh. Him and his stepdad have like brutal karate fights in the house <laughs> as like a trope of the movie. Yeah. And he gets his ass kicked, and part of the thing is like he's trying to become a good enough fighter to kick his stepdad's ass. Yeah. And then that's one of the payoffs at the end of the movie. Uh. Not no spoilers, but <laughs> it's not. I will, uh, I, no, I, I think I because it, it's definitely. I think it was like trending on Amazon or Netflix. Or and something. then there's this one part where him and his stepbrother are having a conversation, and they say "cool beans." And then all of a sudden the movie turns into like a hip hop beat where they're like, cool, cool, beans, beans. Like it's an editing joke. Yeah. <laughs> and the joke is like they edit it into a beat for like a minute and then it just stops and they're like, nice. And then it moves on to the next. It's, the whole thing is loony. Yeah. So what, what would that style be? I guess it's just meta, but it's also they're just fucking with the convention of film. and It's almost like very Lonely Island. Yes. All of their digital shorts, like, this is, like, a movie of that. Yeah. And I remember when that film came out, Never Stop Stopping or something. Popstar. It was called Pop... What was it? Popstar Never Stop Stopping or something? Never Stop Never Stopping. Never Stop Never Stopping. It was a parody of... uh, Of Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember I watched that, and, of course, some of the stuff is, like, really hilarious. Like, one of the songs where he sings, like... um, about how cool it is how cool it is that people are gay and everyone should accept gay people he's like I'm not gay at all but you know gay people do, yeah. but I'm totally not gay like yeah, yeah, has, yeah yeah it's like that uh, old Macklemore I think they were parodying that Macklemore I think it was For sure. when I was third grade I thought I was gay but I'm not <laughs> but I'm not just to be clear <laughs> totally support the movement but not me dog Andrew Santino has a bit about that he goes yeah so brave Macklemore said he was third grade when he was third grade that was gay Everyone was gay in third grade. <laughs> Y'all had sleepovers together. Everything about being third grade was gay. Um, so Palm Springs. Now, I found this movie, uh, first of all, it was a good film. And look, it's hard to make a good comedy film. And I have a theory why. Because if you get a bunch of comedy actors, and I, and I don't know what movies I can uh, sort of call out specifically. Oh, like Avenue 5 on HBO. That was a series, not a okay. movie. You have a bunch of people from different styles of comedy acting. You have improv people. You have stand-up people. You have serious actors. And you put them in, and you make them an ensemble. And they've probably never worked together. And they're all bringing their own style of comedy acting. And sometimes it's almost like Nickelodeon, like way over the top and big and not rooted in reality. Making the ensemble is the tough part. Yeah. Because you all have to have this... I feel like there needs to be a similar sensibility of vocabulary or it just seems That's fucking That's why I feel weird. like so many of the SNL movies ended up being pretty funny is because they already have this chemistry. For sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Same with like all the Mel Brooks yeah. shits. Slash Naked Gun. Yeah. So um, this movie, Palm Springs, was produced by the Lonely Island guys, right? I don't know. I think so. I think it was... Probably. Andy Sandberg and Akiva... And Did Akiva direct? He was a producer on it for sure. Got I it. don't know who directed it. He's kind of like the little low-key Lonely Island behind-the-scenes genius. Yeah, he might be. Like, he directed Hot Rod, I believe. Oh, he did? He directed most of the digital shorts, was rarely in them. Yes. Kind of the behind-the-scenes, uh, the puppet master. It's, it's like with uh, Danny McBride. Jody Hill is the genius behind Danny McBride. And David Gordon Green. 
and alumni of my school, both of them, by the way. Big fan, David Gore, great man. Those are our big motherfuckers. You know, I I almost got. Um, he was he came to one of our college parties, which in hindsight maybe was weird, but it was totally <laughs> it was like he didn't he wasn't creepy. He just kind of came and was like, "Yo, we all went to the same school. We were like so stoked." Yeah. I did a, um I had a a screen test for a movie that he did um, all the real girls, which is I think the movie that put him on the scene. Mm. And it's with a young, skinny Danny McBride who ended up getting the part that I auditioned for, and um, oh. he was just like, he's like, so what's your favorite? What's your favorite car? What's your favorite STD? He was just like drill, you know, like yeah, yeah. it's improv thing. I'm like, um, but he's the fucking shit, man. I love that guy. Uh, so this, here's where this movie worked. First of all, they got some heavy hitter, heavy hitters as actors. They get sure. J.K. Simmons, who's an, yeah, an Oscar winner. They get June Squibbs, who's an Oscar nominee, maybe Oscar winner. Um, and then this girl, uh, Kristen Milliet, she's the female lead in it. Who's the first woman you mentioned? What part does she play? Oh, she's the grandma. Got it. But, um, but my point is, and she it was a small part, but they have serious, they have Peter Gallagher. Yeah. They have, they have serious pedigree, you know, sure. people who've done like a lot of award winning films and stuff. So it doesn't have the kind of traditional sort of like. And look, I don't want to talk shit about David Spade, but you watch a David Spade movie, and he's kind of like, eh, I'm making a movie. I'm kind of halfway there. The <laughs> commitment, the level of commitment is like, we're filming in Hawaii. What do you want from me? You I know mean, what I mean, him and Sandberg are like picking their movies based on where they get to fly. You know what I mean? Well, if you look at, if you look at anything that Adam Sandler has done, it's basically- I, I meant Sandler. I meant Sandler. I said yeah. Sandberg. Because Sandler is like, clearly, I don't know if he has a house in Hawaii or he just loves Hawaii because I feel like every single movie he does is set in Hawaii. Clearly, Sandler at this point is mostly phoning in like a family comedy with that he gets to kind of play around with his buddies. I mean, it's the dream life. I'm not faulting him for it. Yeah. Obviously, with something like Uncut Gems, he's kind of like dipping back into the yeah, he, art shit. Like, By the way, guys, I can fucking act too, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. He's like just reminding people before he does Grown Ups 8, you know? <laughs> before he does movies, he's like, I'm just a, a lovable lug in a wine shirt. And, and when Adams, when Andy Sandler, so coming <laughs> into- keep mixing them up. When coming into Palm Springs, it starts with Andy- Sandberg drinking beer and Andy Hawaiian Sandlerb. shirt. Andy Sandlerb. Andy Sandberg. Um, and I go, oh, this is like interchangeable with Adam Sandler. What's up with the fucking guys in their 40s or 50s wearing Hawaiian shirts just being like, I'm just a lovable lug. It seems like, I was like, that's the same same outfit, same beer. It's, at, it's fucking... Wow, but it's justified Adam in the Sam- script. Whoa. It is. Whoa. Writing so, the writing. And, this, and by the way, there's going to be spoilers in this, so fucking deal with it. So... The it's it's one of those groundhog. The trope is the groundhog trope. <laughs> People are d- signing into this hour long Palm Springs podcast expecting no spoilers. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. It's gonna be. Fucking- How dare you? But we gave you fifteen minutes. <laughs> All so right. it's it's uh, and actually it's a great film to release during quarantine because we are in ground Groundhog's Day right now. Every day is the fucking same over and over again, and we're all contemplating our mortality, our life what to do to make things different and how to have a fulfilling life where every day is a fucking same. I feel like the Groundhog Day trope mm-hmm. is like cheat codes for a good movie. It's just an amazing premise and it's yeah. been done a million times and it will be yeah. done a million more. Yeah. It's no longer stealing from Groundhog's Day. It's a, it's just a trope that 
okay so they did it with the first groundhog day was like here's a guy who is he go he keeps having to redo this day over and over again until he gets it right until You're he gets to, it right it's based on an old buddhist parable or some shit it is a buddhist concept and you have to achieve enlightenment to escape there are articles all over the web about how it is a favorite movie among buddhists like serious buddhists look at this movie they're basically like, the way that uh it's a wonderful life is for christianity groundhog's day is for buddhism and i think when i first heard that i was like what you're putting a lot of fucking credit to this fucking to groundhog that doesn't day. surprise me yeah first time i saw first time i was exposed to the premise of groundhog's day i watched uh it was a disney channel movie called last day of summer Ah. And it's a kid. He wakes up on the last day of summer and he has a horrible, horrible day. And he's trying to like get this girl and there's a bully and a whole bunch of shit. And he gets hit in the head with a piece of lumber. Yeah. And he has to relive the day. And he has to do it over and over and over. And by the end of it, he's like amazing at skateboarding. He shreds on the guitar. He gets the girl. He pranks the bully. It's absurd. But it's the same concept. And then he wins. And then, then he wins. Then he wakes up from the cycle. He dodges the the plank of wood and he wins the talent show or some cheesy Disney Channel shit. And then I watched Real Groundhog Day and I was like, oh, again, this is like, it's so satisfying. It is satisfying. To watch somebody who is a piece of shit turn their whole life around and become this superhuman. Yeah. Yeah. And the way for people who, let's do a little Buddhism primer 101. So the idea of Buddhism is that we're born into a life of suffering <laughs> right? <True>. and misery. <laughs> no denying that. And that basically earth is hell, right? Yes. Being alive on the planet earth is hell. Existence And that you're going to keep reincarnating until you achieve enlightenment. Desire then, is hell. And then once you achieve enlightenment, you can sort of evaporate like Obi-Wan Kenobi into the cosmos and float around as, as space dust, I right. guess, is the idea. And there's something else where... You keep being reincarnated over and over whenever you die. And based on how you acted as a being, it determines what you are reincarnated as. So if you uh-huh. are very sinful and greedy and evil you as come a back human, as a raccoon. you come back as like something that is indicative Oh, how of shitty. I wonder if, I wonder if like these animal, if you come back as an animal, you have consciousness that you used to be human and you, you're like, oh, this is some fucking bullshit. I'm a rat. Right. Ugh. Well, apparently you're not, you don't remember anything, but you have like a genetic memory. So like if you have deja vu or something, it might've been something you did in a past life. Yes. Right. Then, do you believe in the past life stuff? Uh, I don't know. I think I believe uh, in a collective consciousness and maybe like you might have a memory of something else that you were a part of before that maybe like, part of your spirit was a part of some other project but yeah. i don't know that i as an individual soul had a previous existence and it's funny because <laughs> as westerners and as people who are sort of indoctrinated christianity from yeah. day one uh True. we have been bred into this belief that you live a good life you repent for your sins and then you get to go to the pearly gates and jesus or god or peter gets to decide if you get to come in or not and if right. you don't you go to hell yeah, right. the Christian thing is you are synthesized, and this is round one. Yes. And people, ding, ding. and Christianity doesn't promote 
reincarnation at all. As a matter no. of fact, they think reincarnation is like, so we're bred into this world and this is mostly Western culture. We think the idea of reincarnation is like crazy talk. It's like spiritual weird women who go to fucking Burning Man and shit like that. It's like, that's not a real fucking thing. But what's crazier about reincarnation than going to fucking the pearly gates? So, so, they, so basically we have like three options for death, right? You die and then there's nothing. There's just no consciousness. You're just dead and there's fucking nothing. You're right. dirt. One is you get to go to heaven, and the other one is you get reincarnated. Those are basically the three fucking tropes. I have, I mean, I don't necessarily know for sure what I believe mm -hmm. in post-death, but I'm kind of an in-between. And yeah. this is uh, an experience that I had on a lot of weed, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. And uh, basically, like, I think it's kind of like reincarnation, but it's not me being reincarnated consciously into another thing. You, I feel like you just rejoin the source, yeah. right? And then whatever energy is swirling in the source maybe becomes something else. Yeah. But it's not like a one-to-one -one transfer. Yeah. I think the reason movies like this do so well is that everyone, I don't care how successful, how amazing your life has been, everyone loves the idea of a do-over. A do-over, man. I mean, I keep going like, I, every time I think about the idea of a do-over and I fantasize about it with my dick in my hand, I think, man, I, if I could only go back five years before I got evicted from my apartment in New York. Yeah. What would I have done differently? Oh, if I could go back, I mean, I love my daughter, but if I could go back before my crazy baby mama trapped me, uh, or if I could go back, oh, what if I went before graduate school where I really, you know, knew what I knew now? I mean, that's the thing. Like, if I knew what I knew now back then, and you keep thinking as you go through life that your eyes are open and you're doing everything, but the truth is every year you look back like, ugh, what a fucking douche I was. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. You know what I mean? My regrets are always that I didn't accomplish what I wanted to or like I set goals for myself and then I failed to achieve them. Yeah. And I, I don't think that, uh, you know, I, I think at a certain point you get older and you're like, I guess that's just kind of my brain. I guess that's just how I am. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Every, every year that goes by, I keep, I go back and I go, Oh man, I wish I'd done that differently. I accept a little more that I am an imperfect. Yes. Blob. <laughs> so inst instead of extending Buddhism over someone's lifetime, which probably wouldn't work as a film, totally, they extend it as Link one Lair. day. That's the movie he'll do. Yeah, and the idea of making it one day is perfect because you have everything built in. You have a familiarity with the with the concept. You have a ticking clock. Every group of scenes is a ticking clock. Oh, you got get the, you got to get something done by the end of the day. You have an obvious character arc. But every and then it was done in Happy Death Day too, and basically. Have you seen Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise? Oh, that was was that Oblivion? That was a different movie. Edge of Tomorrow was. was Edge of dude, you have if you. Oh, like, I've seen it. I've seen it. I did a have? film buzz on it. Yeah. Oh, dude, I loved that movie. Yeah, it was the same idea. It was like a war movie with aliens. And Groundhog's he Day. gets dropped on like the aliens have time traveling abilities. And he kills one of the head aliens, and the alien's blood drips onto his face, and this gives him the uh, ability to relive the same day. Yeah. And so they take, like, they often do this in the Groundhog Day movies where he will encounter a bully or something, and he'll dodge a couple punches yeah. and embarrass him. But they take that concept to a whole new level where he's in, like, a straight-up hellscape of war, and he's dodging and flipping, and he's in this kind of, like, 
megazord type machine and he's shooting aliens and it's sick yeah yeah no i remember that was that was good so the it's almost like that movie that trope has never not worked on some level right you know what i mean so um this case is a student film at my college what was it uh it was basically the same thing where a dude had a big red button where he could time travel to the beginning of the first date ah so it was like a shortened five minute version of it but Ah. same shit yeah and it, I feel like every time everyone knows what they're getting into and they love it. And it's just, and there's also another one with Damon Wayans. It was based on, I think, a Dutch film called Naked, where a guy wakes up naked in a in a um, elevator on the day of his wedding, <laughs> and he has to sort of see if he can get it's married. A little bit similar, the day of a wedding. The day of a wedding, but, but I think he's actually getting married, yeah. and he has to basically figure out who who fucked him up and drugged him. So usually it's like th- there has to be a mystery solved. Or they have to get something right to in order to sort of move to the next day. Yes. Right? Now, this movie is a little bit different. So, let's, let's talk about this movie. Because so, you can't just blatantly rip it off unless you got a new spin. Yeah. And he, the new spin this movie, which I, at first I was like, uh, it sort of starts like a Quentin Tantillo film. It's like in media race. Like Love Andy it. Samberg is already <laughs> deep in the groundhog. Like he's Palm already- fiction. He's already gone. There's a joke for you. What? Palm Fiction. Palm Fiction. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Bazinga. Bazinga. So he basically <laughs> has to... Uh, so when it starts, and you don't know this until later, he's already... It's not his first day. No. He's done it for maybe a thousand times. Sure. Um, so it starts off, He uh, he's just in a pool, being lazy, goes to his wedding, he's drinking beer, wearing the Hawaiian shirt... And you don't know why he's being kind of a uh, uh, sort of, I don't know, piece of shit or just being so- someone who's kind of like not really there at the wedding or doesn't really yeah. care, doesn't believe in any of that stuff. And then he does a, a wedding speech and he directs it to this girl, Kristen Milliot, and it's just weird. You don't know what the fuck is going on. But you know it's a Groundhog's Day movie. So pretty soon you go, okay, he's already done this. And then he d- there's a scene where he's people are dancing around the dance floor and he, the way he dances on the dance floor, you go, oh, he's done this dance hundred times or thousands of times because he knows like catching an old man from falling doing a couple dodges so you go okay he's already done this a lot of times so that's the first clue that like okay he's done it or he's like being emphasized as superhumanly smooth yeah yeah but it's but he's you know wearing a fucking hawaiian shirt and drinking so we know it's not so um (laughs) so then he basically seduces this chick um even though he has a girlfriend and uh and this is where this is where it gets different. And this threw me in the beginning because they go out, they're making out on the rocks outside of Palm Springs, and some guy shows up with a bow and arrow, a crossbow, and shoots Andy Sandberg. So you have no idea what the fuck that's about, right? And he chases him and he hides. So there's a mystery right away. Like, what the fuck is going on with this? And then he crawls into some cave, some glowing red cave that he gets sucked into and he starts all over. You find out later that she follows him to the cave and she's also sucked into the first day. She's but like, he what the tells fuck? her. He says, no, don't come in here. Yeah, don't come in here. So, um, and then you Did found- Did you mention he got shot by an arrow? Yeah, he got yeah, shot yeah. By, yeah, by crossbow. So, it's cool because you don't know what that's about. And of course, you find out later, right? Why he was being pursued by someone with a crossbow. So, once he- once she finds out that she's been you know the day is repeated it's always a fun moment where the day is repeated and they wake up they're like where the fuck am i and they're like what are you doing here this happened already they're already freaking and you have to kind of like cover the moment where so 
the satisfaction you get of someone waking up the first day, you get it from the secondary character, not Andy Sandberg, right? So it's different because it's double Groundhog's Day. It's two Groundhogs. I don't know if they've done that before. Two people. They've never maybe done maybe three. Two people before. The and the way that they could do two people is they introduced the red cave. Now, what's interesting about this is we're talking about Buddhism. It's not a situation where they have to accomplish something or make the perfect day or whatever. And you find that out in the movie because they start, okay, how do we get out of this fucking cycle? No, it's like a scientific anomaly. Yeah. And then it becomes really on the nose about Buddhism because they're like, oh my God, we have to do something to get out of this cycle of life and death. It's, that a, is little, it's a little meta, similar yeah. to Hot Rod, where they are acknowledging they're in a Groundhog Day movie yes. and they know how to get out. Yes. And then it doesn't work. And they, and they say... Um, he doesn't say Groundhog Day, but he goes, yeah, we're in one of those um, inf infinite loop type of infinite things. Loops. Surely you've heard of it before. Yeah. So they're <laughs> basically acknowledging the audience and saying, we know you think you know how this movie ends. Yeah. You're wrong. We're doing something different. So yes. then we can be like, okay, I guess suspense, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we so know they get out of it. And this is why it made me think about COVID because then they wake up. It's the same day. There's no real responsibility. They're not beholden to anyone. They, they're not beholden to the wedding guests because if they do anything, they can just repeat it the next day, right? And they do fuck around. Yeah, so they just start. So the first thing is, it's. I feel like same with COVID. Like, I traveled the fucking country in my car for a month. I, I, it's not like I would go out there and like punch people or do like crazy shit because like, who cares? Don't matter. It's fucking life is meaningless. But they're in a place where they're like, life is fucking meaningless. So if you are in the space of life is meaningless what do you do with your life if there is no meaning what do you do and, and his also, thing is like can we be real i think another reason that the genre is so popular is on top of the do-over there's a lack of accountability that you get yeah is an absolute freedom like a yeah. video game level of freedom to punch people to say exactly what you want to say to commit crimes yes. to to like commit suicide mm-hmm and then you get to wake up and none of it meant anything. Yes. But the funny thing is the lesson of the movie is always that those kind of heinous, uh, what, what would you say, those hedonistic impulses never give you satisfaction. Yes. That they end up being meaningless in the end. Yes. Yeah. The difference with this movie and other movies is when Bill Murray in Groundhog's Day is killing himself and doing shitty things and being shitty to people, they make it very clear that that's not going to help him and he's got to do something different. This is a little bit different because it's more about the practicality and the science of getting out of it. And honestly, the the debauchery and the, you know, fucking around see, is so much more satisfying in this movie because he's with this girl yeah. and he's kind of getting to experience all of these fun things. Like they go into the bar and talk shit to everybody yeah. and about to start a fight and it kind of almost is like a dream to have this beautiful woman and you just kind of run around the country with no accountability and yeah have fun and pull pranks and you can understand why they fall in love uh, for sure yeah. i mean because we don't know in the movie how many days they've spent together mm. right it could be thousands of days by the movie you don't yeah. know it's definitely like they took the genre and they basically just expanded it so by the end of the movie you have three maybe four people who are in the groundhog's day did you catch that with the grandmother no so the grandmother right who is this kind of mysterious figure she comes up to 
uh, Andy Samberg and goes, that was the best speech I've ever heard anyone say. And I've been to a lot of weddings. So she does a little hint about it. I didn't catch that. Yeah. And then later she comes up to Kristen Milliat and she says, she says something like, I don't know. She says some shit. He goes, I guess you're going to be, te- you're going to be leaving us soon, huh? Well, good luck. And this is right before Kristen Milliat decides to blow up the cave and end the day. Fascinating. So you're probably right, and I didn't even catch that first time watching. This is what this is the cool thing about this movie. You can watch it a second time and be like, "Oh, I get it now," because you watch it and you realize. I mean, it makes sense. Does he have sex with the grandma? No, he has sex with the old woman in the bar. Got it. He goes down on her, but then it makes sense because you're like, "Well, the and the grandmother is not making any effort to to get out of it because she's." She's old. 80. She's figuring. She's at a wedding with everyone she loves in the world. Yeah. She gets to spend this beautiful day with everyone she loves over and over and over again. I so why would she? what she thinks when Andy Samberg is creating chaos and doing something different every time. I know. I feel like they should give us a little bit more hints. If that was the case, I feel like they should give us more hints. The grandma cut. Where's the grandma cut? Yeah. Release I've, the I've grandma heard, cut. Just kind of like, not this again. Or just something, just one other thing. Oh, Maybe Andy. The- <laughs> how would she not expose herself to him what did he notice her behaving if she's differently just, if she's just sitting around like watching and hanging out and not mm. making a, a spectacle why would and then yeah why wouldn't she come up to me like hey by the way i'm also going through the same shit as you but then then you have to believe that she somehow got into the cave because the way it works is if you go through the red cave once you go through the red cave once the first time then you get reincarnated every time you fall asleep what would happen if Andy Samberg brought everyone into the time loop with him? Oh, wow. Everyone at the wedding. Yeah. Everyone in the world. Yeah. Then everyone's in the time loop. Yeah. I guess he could never even reach that many people. But he would be like, hey, guys, I want to show you something. He could bring a bunch of people. 40, 50? Yeah. What kind of society would that be? But it's also weird because then everyone's you realize- killing each other because they know there's- <laughs> Jesus. And the cool thing they introduced in this movie, too, is the fact that even though you die and you get reincarnated for the to the next to the same morning the pain is real so if you set yourself up if you're being lack of accountability like you're running your car and shit like you can still end up in a fucking emergency room and tons of fucking pain until yes. you fall asleep which is an interesting idea cuz you don't want you want to do crazy shit but you don't want to be fucked up and like they don't really explore that in groundhog day no he they kills don't himself multiple times but he never talks about it yeah, and he never talks about. So, um, I like the, there. There are scenes in the movie where they're talking about it, and it really does become uh, a discussion about mortality and the meaning of life. Sort of couched inside this little rom com. They kind of have the J.K. Simmons. They have the elder, the wise elder archetype. Yes. Sit him down and explain his perspective. So J.K. Simmons was a guy who got fucked up on cocaine with Andy Samberg and they're drunk out in the fucking rocks and Andy Samberg and he says this and J.K. Simmons says this is the best night of my life and Andy Samberg and his drunkenness goes well if this is the best night of your life let's you should probably want to repeat it forever right? right so he leads him to the cave but of course J.K. Simmons is like what the fuck did you do and starts torturing him he like waterboards him in the fucking movie he like shocks him with shoots him with arrows <laughs> And just wants to inflict maximum fucking pain And eventually on him. the girl gets revenge on him and kills him. 
Oh, that's right. I'm surprised right. Andy never killed him. How do you take that many L's in a row without, you know? Yeah, why ready? would why wouldn't he? Maybe he thought if he'd kill him, then he'd come back the next day more angry. Maybe. And Jake and J.K. Simmons' character had crossbows and looked like maybe he was, used to be special forces or some shit. Mm. And so he didn't want to piss him off. He just wanted to be like, "Sorry, man. Sorry, I didn't mean to do it." I bet. So, I don't think Andy ever killed anybody. That's kind of cool. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah. So, so that's so. Then you have the, the recurring theme of the third groundhog guy, who just wants every once in a while, every few weeks or something, comes and tortures, wants to torture and hurt Andy Sandberg, and she finds about it and she wants to fucking stop it. So she runs him over with a car, and then she finds out that before she was in the loop, because her day had had was um, his day was repeating, and her day was the same day but he'd fucked her thousands of times. And that's weird because then she's pissed. Hundreds. Let's give him some... Well, he <laughs> said, joking, he, said he said, he goes, he goes, oh, please, I fucked you thousands of times. She's like, what, what, what? And she's mad about that. Cause, yeah. Because she feels like, because she doesn't remember it, then it becomes almost like a metaphor for having sex with a girl who's blackout drunk because you're having sex with me and you know I'm not going to remember it the next day. That's fucked up, I guess, is the I idea. Guess, but it's consensual. So. It is consensual. So I don't really know what she was mad about. I, he's she's mad because he lied. Yeah, he lied to her. But he lied to her because if he if he told her that he was basically had been obsessed with her, obviously it seemed like he'd been like he'd already he was already, the movie starts he's already in love with her it seems right because mm, I disagree that he's in love with her. I think he's just kind of trying to hook up with everybody. See how it is. He's and hooking he likes up her with her most. again. It's just another endless day. I. Th- feel like he falls in love with her truly while they're stuck in the loop together yeah here's a weird thing about this movie it's not weird but this is when you know it's definitely a 2020 millennial demo movie Mm -hmm. while he's going in these loops she asks him who he's had sex with and he had sex with an old lady at a bar and then he (laughs) he got fucked in the ass by a black dude which is very weird for the lead of a romantic comedy to have a scene where they're getting fucked in the ass by a black dude because usually at the end of a lot of movies um, the, the char- a character getting fucked in the ass by a guy is like the, the example of, of a, a joke how their life is now shit like trading places at the end of the bad guy gets fucked in the, oh, in the okay. ass by a gorilla or whatever the fuck it is so I kind of feel it's interesting that like they're like, hey, man, it's fucking 2020. He won an experiment. He got fucked in the ass by a dude. Yeah. And, you know, no big deal. And True. they just go over it. They just kind of gloss over it, which is kind of cool, but you wouldn't do that 10 years ago. 10 years ago, you would have a scene where no. your the lead in romantic comedy gets fucked in the ass by a guy. And I don't know why they made the dude a black dude, but it's a black dude, the only black guy in the film. And it's just Yeah, I guess that's like, a little weird. It's weird, and I kind of liked li- it. No, it's but, a little weird that they that he was one of the only black dudes in the film and they almost seemingly made him black to make the joke bigger. No pun intended. Like, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Like if he's getting fucked in the ass by a white guy, it's Cause ultimately the message of that joke is kind of progressive. Like for sure. Yeah. He's, he's just experimenting with the sexuality like you would do if you yeah. were. And this is a nice, loop. and this is a and nice okay. man yeah, yeah, yeah. who wanted to fuck him. And why the hell not? 
Um, and then it just kind of goes away and it doesn't really detract from the film. But I remember no. at, at the time I was, look, I saw a film with, who was that guy? Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. He okay. did, he did a, some film where he's playing a lead in romantic comedy. And there's a scene where these models are in his apartment kind of spying on him and they hide in the shower and he goes into the bathroom and he has explosive diarrhea in the movie. Mm-hmm. And he's like a really put together, polished guy. Yeah. And he's in there like, and you, the whole rest of the movie, you're like, ugh. You don't even want to look at the guy. You don't, you're like, I can't get, I can't root for this guy who just had explosive diarrhea. Right. That's not a thing that happens in rom-coms. You know what I mean? Right. So it kind of like, killed the fucking movie for and I think it uh, frankly killed his fucking career because he never the diarrhea wrote. scene well just because he's like this James Bond figure and then there's a scene where he's just and you think that ruined having, him in the eyes and of the like, public Ugh. and then all the women in the, wow. in the shower just a hole in their nose and you're like you can't make your romantic I mean, even as a man dating a woman who has explosive diarrhea <laughs> you know yeah it's hard I mean we've all been there I I have it on a weekly basis but like <laughs> But you don't you want drink your all this damn you don't, caffeine. <laughs> you don't want your woman to. First of all, you don't want your woman to poop at all. You don't you, want your woman to eat or breathe yeah. or poop. She can't be a human. I've been in. I've been in relationships. I refuse to date a human. Yeah, I've been in relationships for years, and to this day, I'm like, I there's never a clue that a poop happened. They never said, "Oh, excuse me," and went to the bathroom and like smell like. Well, sorry, like, speaking of James Bond, these women are. They're like cats. Like cats are ninjas when they shit. They just shit, cover it up real quick, and fucking. Women will use a man's bathroom, and you walk in there, and it smells amazing. Like, and they, how'd you do that? And they just shit. It smells better after they shit. Yeah, I don't have any fucking Febreze in here. <laughs> what did you do? Sometimes I'll take a shit, and it'll be so bad. She's like, I gotta <laughs> oh, use God. the bathroom. And I'm like, what? What do I do? I mean, there's no matches, yeah. and even when you do matches, then it just feels like burnt shit. You know what I mean? I think I think women cleanse it just by singing at the toilet just be like <laughs> ah, like on some Mary Poppins shit <laughs> yeah oh man they don't even flush they <laughs> and I'll say this back to my immaturity yeah yeah and back to my sort of uncomfortability with our romantic lead getting fucked in the ass by a dude I one time I was dating a girl and I went to the bathroom and there was just like shredded wheat in the toilet I mean it was just like <laughs> It, it looked like something had gone horribly wrong. Okay. And I guess in my head, I thought maybe she flushed down something, like some food, into the toilet. And for, and I was like, what was in there? And she was like, huh, I guess it was lunch. <laughs> and I, and it was just hard for me to look at her the same way. This is a long really? time ago. Okay. This is a long time ago. I mean... I could bounce back from a diarrhea show now. You would hope so. Yeah. I mean, eventually, if you get married with someone, you're going to be dealing with a lot of poop. They're going to have diarrhea. Yeah. And me- I mean, you look at the kid, that's almost a poop right there. Oh, my God. And look, me, if if anyone who's stupid enough to marry me or spend their life, like, they're going to have to deal with, like, my shit. Yeah. On stains on the toilet That's why bowl. I'm not marrying you. <laughs> Under, if they're doing my laundry, like, the Clorox bleach pen on the racing stripes. Jesus. I mean, I try to be pretty good. Yeah. I shower after every poop. I put a Clorox pen in the toilet after every poop. <laughs> I put a Clorox pen in my butthole after every poop. <laughs> Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the thing's blue. So, um, the movie, here's the cool thing about the movie too. They do mushrooms. Oh, yeah. And we've talked about this. We've talked about mushrooms on the podcast. <laughs> which I think, look, if you're Mush- going to be in an infinite time loop, you might as well try everything. Sure. You might as well try every fucking drug. I mean, that's number one. I guess fuck everyone you can. 
try everything sexually and take every goddamn drug like if you're like why not do heroin if you're in a time loop why not do cocaine why not do there was a point where women women uh wouldn't look at a dude who had had sex with a man oh i know plenty yeah. of women who would never date a guy who'd been with a man yeah to this day so yeah it's probably a good little thing to throw in there yeah that's interesting yeah Sorry, i just rewound for a second rewound that's the past sense of rewind yeah rewind it about it name one <laughs> rom-com where a man where you're uh you know propping up a relationship between a man and a woman and the man has been with other men i've never few. i've never seen it huh very few i can't think of any name one where where a man who was like oh i fucked a dude yesterday anyway let's go bisexuals to dinner. don't have a lot of movies yeah, not a lot of bisexual movies. Hmm. And if they are, they're French and they're very art housey. Yeah. And like bisexuality isn't really what it is. It's, it's just usually like women. Male like, bisexuality very rarely portrayed in a cinema. Oh yeah. Female bisexuality is just good cinema. Right. It's good old fashioned French filmmaking. But even then, even then it's more like this is a lesbian movie, this is a straight person movie. This is a Yeah, that's true. The mythical between the lines partaker yeah. of all fruits you know that'd be interesting to make a rom-com where a dude is like just into dudes and then he meets a woman and then he falls in love with her and becomes you know in love and straight with her because they did that with a movie called Ch- you remember this movie called chasing amy is with ben affleck and kevin smith it was before your time What's but it's like? kind of what put kevin smith on the scene and ben i never affleck. saw chasing amy but basically the idea is there's a woman i did see something about mary no oh. but different movie they both have names in them they do have both and female names they and she's a lesbian but Ben Affleck comes around and he's just so amazing he's so Ben Afflecky that she then falls in love with him and is now basically he like it, it sort of plays into this idea like well a, a gay woman just hasn't met the right man yet and there's a lot of backlash to it like sure. the idea that like oh so a lesbian is just a woman who hasn't met the right man that's fucking garbage well they would hate that because that's what they already deal with oh of course men want to imagine that their dick is a magic wand of course you know what <laughs> of I mean? course they do yeah Ta-da. <laughs> yeah so um there is a scene so they do mushrooms and we talked about this tommy they're 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 in the the foothills are they in joshua tree no i guess they're somewhere out in the fucking desert but they're kind of like mountains around. They're in a little tent and they're on mushrooms. And he talks about his philosophy of life. His philosophy of life is a candy bar. And he basically takes a bite off and he goes, everything where I just took the bite off is the past. So it doesn't exist. It's just nothing. It's empty air, empty space. Hmm. So my life is only the next bite of candy bar, which is interesting because it is a philosophy about how to live, live your life. Like it's the last day, live your life. Like the past doesn't matter. Live your life moving forward. And her idea is that, no, the past does matter, and it's all connected. You can't disregard your past just because you want to take the next bite of candy bar. Mm. And I think that becomes like the conflict between the two lead characters about how to approach life in the general. The philosophical battle. It's a philosophical battle. I feel battle. like Sandberg's makes more sense from a Buddhist perspective and from a perspective of someone who has been stuck in the time loop longer. Yes. He has accepted the time loop. She never accepts the time loop. She never accepts She never it. once accepts the time loop. Yes. Which makes more sense because she acknowledges all of time. Yes. Because, which is uh, a linear time perspective. Yes. Right? 
Sandberg is beyond linear in his perspective. He is everything is the now because yeah. that is all that I experience. Yes. And nothing from my past has had consequences for longer than I can remember. So what was the point to acknowledge it? Yeah, but the idea of him living in the now is not the same thing of him living nihilistically like nothing matters because you can live in the now and live do you think he lives nihilistically well, I guess from his description because at one point he says what we do affects people that's why he didn't he has a moral code yeah to an extent because he acknowledges the pain yeah that he feels so he doesn't really cause pain to people yeah unnecessarily it seems and also if you think about it too like Everyone is in a Groundhog's Day because everyone also repeats the day too. No matter what happens to them, they repeat it the next day too. Well, I don't think they do. I think they live on and he is replaced into an alternate universe where they oh, haven't. Oh, so it's all multiverse. So there is I see it through a multiverse perspective in that way. So in other words, there's thousands and thousands of different realities that are coexisting on different planes they keep going on where the woman, the bride has no teeth now because they've been knocked out when she fell down. Right. That exists somewhere. Ooh. So every time he does something, he is setting up a situation where there's another universe where people are living Whoa. in fucking when misery. When you think of it from that perspective, the consequences of his actions seem to matter way more. You don't yes. even think about that. Which is probably why he plays small. The realities really he leaves much. behind. Yeah, he yeah. mostly just drinks and chills. and He just drinks and chills and then says a nice wedding speech and tries to make everything positive. Now, he, here's... I like a lot of the twists in the movie and whenever I'm working on scripts with other people or doing rewrites or whatever, I'm always kind of like, I believe in the three billboards outside of Mississippi theory. <laughs> okay. Which is, look, I thought that movie was kind of garbage. Right, right, right. It, it was, was enjoyable as fuck to watch but then afterwards you're like, wait, what? But the writer who, who wrote the movie says very explicitly in some interviews, he goes, look, my... I just wanted to change the story every 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So every 10 minutes, something crazy happens and I don't even know what the outcome is going to be. I just write it. Yeah. Like, okay, they, they blow up the police precinct. Now I'm just going to write from there. Oh, now Woody Harrelson kills himself. I'm going to write from there. So they kind of have to, and then he has to, he has to problem solve after each big event, but he has to make sure it happens every 10 fucking pages. I actually like that both as a writer and as an ADD person. Because that serves two purposes. One, to keep your movie interesting. Yeah. And two, to keep you interested in your own movie. Yeah, for sure. Presenting yourself a new challenge every 10 pages. Because 10 pages is a doable chunk of writing. Yeah. I can write 10 pages. Yeah. And now I get to change everything and have a new problem and adventure to solve. I, I like that as a philosophy. Oh, it's great when you ever see a movie and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, someone gets hit by a fucking car. You're like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. And it changes. You did that movie Whiplash. The guy just on his way to a concert gets hit by a fucking car and it's like jarring. It doesn't really That doesn't really change, change much, the movie but much. But it still like makes you go, hey guys, something it, new. It does make him late for the performance and it does cause him to fuck everything up and he's covered in blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty impactful, I guess. Yeah. So this one, one of the big mysteries, and again, spoiler alert, that is crazy. that um, she slept with the um, groom-to-be the night before the wedding. Yes! And you don't find that out until the hinge point of the movie, almost exactly halfway through, you find out that and she slept with... Is that post-shroom scene? It's gotta be. Yeah. And I think that explains so much more of her philosophy, is every day she yes. wakes up 
with the consequences. She's haunted of the by past. the past. She's yeah. haunted by the past. So she wants to get out of the loop because she can't keep waking up in this dude's bed. Yes. So every morning she wakes up, even though she's falling in love with Andy Sandberg, she's still reminded that she's and they and they do it fucking so great because you see her waking up and you see her kind of miserable in the in the first uh, wedding scene. But you don't realize it's because she fucked. Now, here's the thing I want to say off the bat, too. Again, you have one one lead character who you got to get behind in a rom-com who just got fucked in the ass by a dude. And that's okay. And now you have to get behind the female lead who banged her sister's husband the right. day before the wedding, which is fucking gnarly. Because as much as that guy's portrayed like a fucking asshole, it's really her fault. I mean, I let's mean, be honest. Yeah. Because Big we're talking time. about, I know saying men and women are different is a bad thing to say in 2020, but like a guy will, a, a guy about to well, get married might fuck someone given the opportunity because men I, are garbage. I, I take it back. I think it's equally both of their faults. More her fault. Come on. More She's her the fault. sister. It's horrible. He's the husband. Yes, but at the same time... What is he thinking? He's the one getting married. She, if anything, and I'm not defending her actions, but as her sister, she has a responsibility to see if this guy's worth a shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's a trap. If anything, she's doing her sister a favor by weeding out this piece of shit. Interesting, but she never says that. No, she and she's not. She's not a hero in this. She's a horrible person. But you never think about the fact that that um, there's never really any discussion. We're like, oh if wow, you're friend, a fucking piece of shit for doing this. If my friend consensually hooked up with my wife on the day of my wedding, I'd give him a fist bump for you know for letting you know for letting me know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess so. I, I would have married that woman. Can you imagine? But also, not your friend. It's your brother. It's your brother who fucked your fiance. I know, it's horrible. Yeah. When you, oh, it's that's so horrible. And she's like, my sister's so amazing. She's the best person. I'm like, and you fucked her husband. And by the way, if you it did, makes sense. if you did fuck her husband, to then the, the first sister. thing you would do is go to your sister and be like, yo, I fucked your husband. The wife should be flattered that he's clearly attracted to the whole genetic tree. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Of course you're attracted to my sister. You probably thought you were drunk. You thought it was me. Yeah, I've definitely dated <laughs> dated women who had a hot sister. And I remember thinking, well, things go bad. Hook well, up sister. I'd I, have fantasies about hooking up with a sister. Not extreme. I would never hook up with a sister because that, that's fucking with family. Yeah. You know, that feels wrong, wronger than just uh, like a friend a yeah. friend eh, yeah. is a gray area a sister like they well, have a lifetime bond and now you're playing well with, i'll say uh, this a girl that i'm but they, also that's maybe sometimes why you could hook up with a sister because sisters have like deep resentments from years ago like oh yeah ancient ancient oh, vendettas sure. <laughs> you know what i mean she always got every she should want on Christmas. Uh, yeah, now i'm did. getting what i want <laughs> yeah women are awful I the girl I'm oh Bill I, the girl I'm dating now <laughs> uh huh very beautiful right she has two sisters and they're all year apart oh no and they're all going? very very beautiful uh huh <laughs> and she would tell me how like so these and they all have like big lips and great bodies all right and she would tell me basically like <laughs> well she would tell me when she was in high school it was like a challenge for the guys to try to fuck all 
the sisters. Oh, men. Like what? Like oh, what a stud! If you could fuck all of the sisters, you are a stud. Because did they're any all of them hot. get two? I think I think one or two got two. Oh lord! No one got the hat trick. But you know how guys are in high school. They're yeah, dude, I'm gonna yeah. go for the fucking hat trick, bruh. Yeah. You know, and it ruined and it and it really Men. fucked up relationships between I'm two sure, sisters. I'm yeah. sure it did. That's why it's wrong. Yeah. No, but 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 the thing is, is I'm still not so mad at the fiance guy because he's a fucking piece of shit for sure. You're not mad at the fiance guy, but just I'm mad at him. But I'm more mad like at have I'm a more, dick. I'm more mad. Let me put it this way: I have two uh-huh. brothers. If my brother were to do that to my girlfriend or my i'd be more mad at my brother than of anyone course else. you know what i mean of course because yeah. that's your brother he's known you forever and the bond of family that almost feels incestual yeah but also the night of his wedding one more day and it's incestual but let's think about this if a woman always i mean unless we're talking about non-consensual shit if we're talking about consensual shit, women always hold the power Right, women are always the one who are basically acquiescing to a man's fucking primal evil, evil demon seed needs. So for a woman to do it, she's I, I a man's mean, just like, here's my dick, and a woman's I like, I hear okay. what you're saying, but I haven't been a woman. I don't really know, you know. I agree with you from a man's perspective. That feels right, but also, I I think I just think it's shared. I think it's got all right. 50, fair enough. Fair enough. And then they talk about the fact, he goes, she goes, what does it mean? They're in the car. And he goes, it could be this, it could be that, we could be in hell right now, which is, again is the Buddhist philosophy, basically, in a nutshell. Right. Or he goes, we could be, it could be a glitch in the simulation. Fun. A fun 2020. Fun There's another 2020, 2020 thing. Because simulation. Gay sex and simulation jokes. Yeah. And simulation theory is really only picked up in the past, like, five years, I would say. Where it's really something that you start hearing about, maybe made popular by Joe Rogan or whatever, and probably Elon Musk and shit like that. But um, did Musk name drop simulation theory? I know that he talked on the Joe Rogan podcast about simulation theory. It's like and some he- nerd theory where there's a mathematical thing. This is some nerd shit. <laughs> if you look at all of the probabilities of any possibility, yeah then the probability that we are within a simulation yes. is the most likely answer just because it's almost inevitable that some type of simulation technology will be invented Yes, that is able to create a world like the one we're living in. That's as detailed. Right now, we don't have the computer processing power or the right. memory, but, but eventually it will be we invented will. someday. In a thousand years, we may, if we don't blow up the planet. And in that scenario, if we do invent the power to simulate and let's say one world has like a billion simulations inside of a computer then that's just so much more probable than what we're living in now because of the amount of simulations that will be created yes. that it's more likely that we're in a simulation right now yes but the idea that <laughs> but what i don't know about that is because the idea that we still have consciousness inside the simulation is still another quantum jump in but logic we, there. but we don't have consciousness we are npcs NPCs? Non-player computers. We are programs. We are programs. We are not conscious. So everything we... There so, is, so there's no free will. Everything we do is just part of a program. Yes. In that theory... Yeah. And maybe there's one person in this world right now who is a real person, but me and you, we are just programs. Okay. The created last... Created to make the world more realistic. Now, back to the scene where there are mushrooms in the tent. <laughs> yeah. 
they're sit, they're, they have the conversation about how to live their lives and what it means in the past and present, all this shit. And then they look into the distance and they see, and Andy Simbler's, he goes, oh my God, look at that. And there's three brontosaurus. Dinosaurs. Why am I forgetting this? Were you stoned? And he goes, yeah. He goes, oh my God. He goes, he goes, look. And then she goes, oh my God. He goes, you can see this too. She goes, and they both look at the, last time I did mushrooms and I was with someone and I said, look at this fence. There's like a gate around these bushes. Yeah. And I said, come out here. And I said, I go, you see that? She said, yeah. I go, it's not there. There is no gate there. She was like, no. I go, we're, we're being shown, like God is showing us a simulation because there's no gate there. And she saw it too, right? And Wait, the next day what? we went out, there's no fucking gate. It was like this wire mesh gate. While you were on mushrooms. While on happened. mushrooms. Okay. Around these bushes. And she saw it too. Now, I don't know if that means that just you say, did you see it too, will activate someone's brain on mushrooms to see something. Right. People are agreeable on mushrooms. Everyone's trying to... But whenever you see something on mushrooms, everyone else will usually see it. Right. So does that mean that everyone's being part of the same hallucination or does it mean that actually we're being ex- the matrix is being the revealed to us the mushrooms are opening up a key to another parallel simulation yeah that's what a lot of people same believe same mushroom same key and this is what this guy Dr. Stephen Greer believes about UFOs he goes the way that you summon UFOs is by conscious thought and you can get that by mushrooms and if you and you think you could sober someone a UFO if we tried right well, now? Well, he says by, by meditation and satnam and bullshit and but a lot of people who see UFOs are people who fuck with mushrooms. Does that mean oh, they're hallucinating or does that mean that their conscious thought is able to teleport? Because the idea that a UFO will travel light years to be here seems unrealistic because it would cost it would take thousands of years. But if they can teleport through conscious thought, which is a whole different field then it makes sense that that's how you can summon a UFO. Anyway, the point is, whatever. When I was on mushrooms, I turned around, I looked at the house, and I saw coding. I saw computer coding, and I was like, well, what's the difference between computer coding and DNA? Not much. Not much. So if we are a sim, if we are computer coding, like... That's a good idea. That's a good point. That's not that bad a thing. Like, who cares? It doesn't make anything less meaningful or more meaningful. Anyway, um... Yeah, so uh, what else happens in this fucking movie? They do the mushrooms. Oh, she then she decides she wants out of it, so she goes... She gets mad at him. She gets mad because he fucked her thousands of times without telling her. Does he confess his love before or after? Or is it that oh, same scene? No, no, at, at the very end. I think they, they hold off the love thing. But well, she, he confesses his love, and she says, how can you possibly say you're in love with me? I'm the only other person that exists it's yeah. stockholm syndrome you don't really love me yeah and she also says she also feels like she's a horrible person so she doesn't believe that she's worthy of love too is another might thing. be some of that so she goes and she decides to get out of it so she starts going to the library and reading books and she ends up figuring out by learning about quantum physics and and wormholes yeah and that part string was a bit theory of a and shit she figures out how she to make a machine books. And I'm like, there's no amount of books she I could fucking read. She reads enough books to learn shit that would never be possible in our current day. Yeah. yeah. So the only way you can believe that is that... There's she, so many days. Either she's a genius or she's literally spent... Because you, you you couldn't even spend a year. That'd have to be like 30 years of the same of day. A lifetime of research, yeah. A lifetime, which I guess you could do. Yeah. And 
and maybe in a lifetime research every day and you're the same person every day and you research every day, you can come up with a machine and figure out how to blow up a hole so that you can get through a fucking And you also got to think about the boundaries to access to knowledge that would be created by you having to live the same day. Like the amount of scientists who would take you seriously or having a m- meaningful conversation with you. Yeah. Like uh, it seems it would be tough to get that yes. amount of info but with unlimited tries i guess yes. anything is possible hence the the use of a montage in a movie that's always the use of a montage love you, a good taj a good, a good taj because taj taj you want to show someone who doesn't know what the fuck is going on and all of a sudden they become masters through one song and a nice beautiful two-minute yeah. montage and that's what two-minute montage of punching and now he can beat up anybody in the movie yes so then she f- figures out that if she blows up this goddamn cave <laughs> when they're both in it they have three seconds to escape the cave and then they'll be in reality. And that's sort of where the whole crux, which is also weird because again, what? she basically, Wait, blo- well, first of all, what she does is she sends a goat. She sends a goat in the cave and kills a goat. She sends a, ga- the, a goat in the cave. She sends a gay goat, a goat in the cave. The goat comes back the next day. No, the goat is gone the next day. No, 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 no. Oh, sorry. And then the next day, she straps it with explosives and sends it in. And then the following day, the goat's not there anymore. Yes. So basically, she's like, the goat is somewhere. But then again, if the goat is somewhere, where the fuck would the goat be then? Because they're still back at the wedding. And why isn't the goat goat dead? Why aren't they dead? Yeah. That's a. F- I think that's because a problem with the movie. Because if they get killed outside of the restart, then they should just stay dead. But if they okay, if they exploded themselves inside the cave, right? Uh huh. Then the idea is that the next day, yeah, the next day is then the November tenth, the day after the wedding, right? Yeah. Or or is the next day the wedding day, and then they live it continuously? The next day is they're out. And life continues. So after they blow up, they're on the next day. Yeah. So but to me, th- it's not themselves that they're trying to blow up, but the rip in space time. Yes, for sure. So they should just throw the explosives in there and destroy the time loop, not themselves. Blowing up themselves and the time loop to me would kill them permanently. Well, you didn't read all the books that she read Good about point. It, Good point. I don't know. But know. my point is this. If she, said the, <laughs> if she put the goat in with explosives and the goat explodes or whatever yeah. then where the fuck is the goat because the goat would still be in the same look is the goat traveling Dude, goat, somewhere well here's the thing the goat no longer exists in the time loop but the goat wakes up the next day free of the time loop but in a different multiverse we, that would have to be the same thing yes because she says i don't know what happened to the goat but i know it's not here anymore so that's what i want for myself so it's not it's They're not risking in the time suicide loop. but they give us the happy ending because that's what we want but I get that. But even if they, even if it's a multiverse, then there was never a goat. What? <laughs> oh, because where is the goat? Why in that hmm. sequence? Good point. That doesn't totally make sense. But oh, I love man. your explanation from the screenwriter perspective. You didn't read all the books she read. <laughs> <laughs> you dummy! It's my fault for being not oh, a quantum man. physicist. Anyway, let's sum this up. Uh, I don't know How if How many books did the screenwriter read? Clearly not enough. Yeah, just do montage, dude. A montage will take do care a montage. of it. Who, 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 no, no one's going to care. Yeah. We well, can get away. It's a rom-com. And like, yeah, okay, fine. He tilts his sunglasses down. <laughs> uh, a Taj, bro. Montage Mahal. Sus- you ever heard of suspension of disbelief? 
bruh. Uh, dude, it's a movie. Yeah. And it was very touching because then they confess their love before they blow up in the in the red glowing cave and break the time loop. And then next day, they're fucking out of it. And then they have a next, they have a cut scene at the end where J.K., explain this, J.K. Simmons comes along, sees Andy Samberg and goes, dude, is that true? What your girl said about getting out of the loop? And he goes, who are you? He goes, I don't remember. He goes, they're still there, but the goat's not. Yeah. So where are they there? Man, what the fuck? They should be gone. But, but here's the thing. Does it mean that it resets to the very first day of the wedding before Adam Sandler got caught in a time loop? No, it should reset to the day of the time loop. The day of the time loop. Then Andy Samberg would have awareness of everything that happened before. But he didn't right. have awareness of anything in the scene with J.K. Rowling's. Uh, J.K. Oh. Rowling's. J.K. Simmons. Yes. So that no, means no, no, no. it's the You're first right. day of the wedding. It's... It's the first day before the loop ever happened. It's the day of the loop, but the loop hasn't happened yet. The loop hasn't happened yet. But why would J.K. Simmons see him then? And bonus question, if the normal universe is still in linear time, wouldn't Andy Samberg find his way back into the cave like he did the first time? If it's the first time and the loop has not happened yet, but the normal universe is unchanged... Andy Samberg would make the same mistakes and find his way back into the loop, which would get him re-stuck in the loop. Yes. Which would make him aware of J.K. Simmons after the first day, because he'd be back. Mm. The, so it all hinges upon the fact, like, after they blow they up... They don't imply that that's the case, but that feels like what would happen. Well, the idea is if they blow up the cave, the cave no longer exists in any ensuing possibilities but it's not exactly the same circumstances as andy sandberg's first day when he finds the cave because jk simmons exists so there's clearly already differences yeah and we never saw how any andy sandberg found the cave in the first place no you just have to assume that he got drunk in the desert and stumbled into a cave and and we're maybe over picking it i think anytime you do a time travel movie yeah there's gonna be parts that don't yeah. white line up it's just Reddit. impossible we should impossible go to to figure not. out what all the fucking theories are yeah anyway but long short of it is it's an interesting fucking movie fun movie and uh, a lot to think about and frankly i mean you can make the argument that like this girl and andy sandberg they were kind of caught in this stockholm syndrome situation so it's they're not really in love but i kind of like that they have to be together like it's they're perfect for each other yeah. who else has lived through this insane experience yes how could they even relate to another normal person of course and, and maybe it doesn't work out but i i like to think and it also does. The, also the idea if you, like if you think, think about if you think about fate and karma and the universe yeah. and all this shit like she had to be the one to follow him into the red glowing cave because they are entangled together and there is um do you ever see the movie passengers no. Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt. Oh, the I think. dude from yeah. I and that movie had this. There was a bit of moral outrage because they're living on this spaceship headed towards a new world, like a like a paradise utopia. But they're on the spaceship together, and he gets somehow released from his capsule, like released from his space sleep. Uh-huh. and he's so lonely and he wanders the ship for weeks and weeks and weeks and he knows that the trip is too long and he'll die on the ship mm-hmm. and he sees Jennifer Lawrence in this capsule and he's so lonely that he releases her 
but by releasing her, he also traps her. He dooms her to a uh -huh. life on the ship with him. Interesting. So, so people on the internet were like, this is rapey. <laughs> yeah. When they're right, yeah. Uh, and they fall in love in the movie, but it's it's creepy because he forces her. And yeah, what yeah, choice yeah. does she have? And um, and this one feels less like that because he didn't ever intend for he her said, to follow don't, her. Don't the follow cave. me. He didn't want this for her. Yeah. And it's like, she could potentially live whatever life she wants within this time loop. It's not yeah. like she's stuck in a building. Yeah. But uh, anyways, <laughs> I thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. I think I need to be smarter to really figure out what the fuck was going on with this movie and what was wrong with it. But I did enjoy it. I, I say it's a, it's worth a free trial on Hulu. And uh, now I got to write some jokes about it. Andy Samberg is the shit. All right, guys. Bro, Palm Fiction. What are you talking about? Palm Fiction. Job One joke finished. so far. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. Sign off.